Hey, welcome back to SwitchCast. Thank you for being here with us tonight. I don't know how many of you noticed, but we were off last week. Uh, well, some say we're off every week. Hey, But uh, we were not here last week, actually. Uh, we were prepping to go to the Audrain Motor Week in Newport, Rhode Island, which we'll uh, touch on a few highlights from that event. But uh, anyway, SwitchCast is the podcast where we seek to educate, edify, and entertain you on the drive of your life. I'm your host, Doug Tabbitt, founder of Switch Cars, and I'm here with Ethan Huffnagel, producer, and Tyler Sanders, that guy that's off camera who will yeah. be bantering and taking your questions. If you're watching live on TikTok or YouTube or Facebook, throw those questions and comments in and uh, we'll do our best to get to them. We have a full docket today. Thanks to our week off. Uh, automotive things just keep happening every day, whether we're here or not. So we want to touch on a whole bunch of stuff that's happened, uh, give our opinion on it and Hopefully, it's somewhat helpful to you. If not helpful, then entertaining. Are we like leaning towards helpful or entertaining? Is like, is it edify and educate or entertain? Which is the. I think as the level, uh, for those of you watching, the level on Doug's gin and tonic, as that lowers, I think we might switch <laughs> into the more entertaining and less inversely proportional. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> I'm saying as a podcast overall, <laughs> but yes, okay, oh, whoops, throughout the night. <laughs> so, uh, the latest news out, uh, some of you may have been paying attention to Porsche's coolest new creation, which is the Porsche 911 ST. Uh, yep, it is a throwback to the original ST. Uh, I, I wonder how many people who own 911Rs or STs or anything that has a name that gives homage, like a, a, a Porsche Boxster S550 edition or whatever, the RS60 Spider. How many of those people know that they're throwbacks to race cars of yesteryear? I feel like I, probably some people do, but I, I just, I'm so jaded with these guys that have limited production Porsches, but don't actually know what they stand for, you know? Yeah. Anyway, well, the <laughs> go ahead. Tyler. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you how you feel about the the Porsche bringing back these uh, these names for these cars, and they represent. I guess the current iteration is not entirely what the original one was, but it's right. kind of halfway there. I'll call it. Um, I the, like, I like the ST because it does. It's everything I would want in a 911, right? It's just over 3,000 pounds, which is super incredibly light for a modern car with all the required safety bells and whistles. That's crazy. I, yes. It's, it's like the same weight as my car. <laughs> right. Uh, reduced sound insulation, lightweight flywheel, six-speed manual gearbox, four-liter flat six, high revving, naturally aspirated. It's everything I would want in a car other than the $300,000 freaking price tag. Uh, the 718 Boxster and Cayman is where they lost me on that tributary naming. That's Michael Scott word I made up. <laughs> um, <laughs> tributary. Tributary. Tributary feeds a pond um, or a river. Uh the, yeah, the 718 was a proper race car back in the day. Now it's just a Subaru engine, or not really, but it sounds like a dang Subaru Boxster yeah. engine in in a Boxster. Boxer in a Boxster. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, they're they're both four-cylinder engines, so it's, it's a tribute. And it's like, no, no, you ran out of numbers, and you had to come up with some excuse for going away from a beautifully sounding well-engineered flat six engine to a flat four turbo that sounds like if you close your eyes you're like oh it's a hatchback with gold wheels and the driver's vaping <laughs> nope it's a porsche right oh. so like in that sense i think the 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 tributary naming is stupid but the 911 st and the 911 r pretty pretty cool so uh, I came across an article this week. I'd buy a 911R. Oh, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I let you continue with that. 
Um, so I saw if an I was article, a Southern rapper, I'd nope. buy a 911 iced tea. All right, Ethan, you can take it from here, right? You're you're good. I think I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> Did you want to say something constructive, Tyler? Uh, potentially, but. <laughs> Uh, so I read an article this week, uh, cause you know, we've had a lot of problems with, uh, the dirty, dirty scalpers. You know what I'm saying? People, uh, buying things and selling them for more money on the secondary market. No, no. <laughs> ah, kind of, have you done that before? Never. Once or twice. So in an effort to deter this, you know, Ford with the GT, wasn't it two years that there was some legal agreement that you wouldn't sell it? I was, and... I think it was a year, but yes, it okay. was a, a fairly ironclad contract. John Cena violated it and Ford sue him and he either settled or lost. So it was uh little little intense. He didn't um, he didn't win, let's put it that way. Yeah. Did he have to like keep the did he still sell the car? He still sold the car. He as just far had to as give I know. Ford money. Yeah. Probably should have looked that up before I made some flippant <laughs> comment, you know. Uh, so uh, Porsche, in an effort to deter this, is going to lease the nine eleven ST to the new owners for a year. So this is different than what Ford did, because I guess a lease is a type of a contract, but it won't be in the owner's name for a year. So uh, how many of you remember the Ferrari F50? Very fondly, but not in a I could afford it kind of way. Right. So when the Ferrari F50, as soon as I saw this article, it made me think of that. When the Ferrari F50 came out, they... It was a mandatory three-year lease because Ferrari was annoyed because the F40 market got ruined by flippers. So many people were flipping it and the market crashed, which I have a problem with that sentiment for one, right? Because flippers don't ruin the market. Typically, they make it go up. The F40 market crashed because the global market crashed, period. You look at any Ferrari prices between 1989 and 1992, and they went in half or worse. So you can't blame flippers for that. Anyway, they wanted to protect uh, against resale, so they created a mandatory three-year lease. However, people got around it because, uh, and let's disclaimer, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm going to get into the, you know, just wade in here to my best understanding of it. But essentially, like some consumer protection law to do with the FTC or whatever. But people said, well, if like if you want to pay off your house, the mortgage company can't force you to stay in the contract. They can charge a prepayment penalty as long as it's in your contract, but they cannot force you to stay in debt, right? If you want to be released from the contract and pay it off, you have to be allowed to. So people went after Ferrari and said, you can't continue to hold a lien on the F50 if I want to pay off this lease. You have to release me from it. So Ferrari lost that battle. So I'm curious how Porsche is going to do with this. Uh, if they've figured out some loophole or written it in such a way that people can't be released from it, I have a real hard time uh, believing that there isn't some way out of this. Um, however, regardless of the legality or not of these contracts, and again, a topic I'm not qualified to discuss in depth, uh, I, I think one thing uh, I've, I've learned is that you don't want to be in a legal battle with Porsche, right? So, like, it doesn't matter whether or not you could be right and sue your way out of this one-year lease. You just don't want to be there. You'd never get another limited special Porsche ever again. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Um, and, you know, that maybe you don't care, maybe you don't want to. But, yeah, it's uh, like when, when I was flipping Porsches and my antitrust attorney was advising me on whether or not I should take a Porsche to court for violating antitrust laws, he basically said the same thing. Like, you don't want to be in a legal battle with Porsche. You're right. You will win. But don't do this. It's not worth it. So, yeah, you just don't want to be on Porsche's bad side. It's like corporate mafia. So whether or not this lease is enforceable, it's there. And just, yeah, don't violate it. 
Do you uh, do you think it will work to cool off uh, the what feels kind of like immense hype for this car? Or is it just going to be like everybody's got a countdown timer on their desktop? It's like, oh, it's so close. Here's the thing. I actually think it's brilliant marketing. I don't think they're intending to stop flippers at all. I think all of this is like pre-hyping the car. Uh, and it's um, it's it's like reverse marketing. So it's it's like if you own a bar and you hired 100 people to stand outside of it every night to like make it like there's a line that's the bar everybody wants to go to because people want exclusivity they fall all over themselves to have something that nobody else can have so before the car is even being released porsche is creating a perception of exclusivity there might have been zero flippers who were interested they might have said 300 grand screw that i don't want that but now, all of a sudden, people are going, oh, gosh, they're, they're doing this lease, so you can't flip it because everybody was going to flip it, so I got to make sure to get one. I don't think they care about cooling off. Their entire 918 VIP program turned all of their best customers into speculators, into flippers. Yeah. They're creating their own secondary market for cars by making it taboo. Hmm. So on that vein, though, there were some great suggestions. Uh, I wish I had come up with them. I didn't. But there are some great actual suggestions on how to if they really cared about preventing people from flipping the ST, what they could do. Um, one of them was just make more cars, right? Instead of making 1963 or whatever they're doing. Um, just make 10,000 of them. Then people won't flip them. Oh, no, no, no. We can't do that. We have to keep them exclusive. Okay, well, then you're going to have flippers. Uh, my suggestion, as it was when the GT3 RS came out and I was flipping them and Porsche called me and said, please stop. Why are you doing this? I said, well, just raise your price. I, If there's no margin in it for me, I'll go away. Do you think the ST being 300 grand was an attempt at doing that? Or is that just what this costs now? Because the 911 R was like 200. Well, actually, what was it? Before I sound like an idiot, the 911 R was 200. Okay. Um, but uh, Porsche wants uh, all of these manufacturers want to look like they're the good guy too, right? So they want to say, "Oh, well, we're protecting the enthusiasts, so we're keeping the price lower and selling it only to enthusiasts." I don't believe that. there is not enough enthusiasts that have $300,000 to burn on a car. Like there's some like they're enthusiasts. Define enthusiast. Well, okay. But that's yes, true. but to <laughs> that, to that end, my favorite, my absolute favorite suggestion on how to prevent people flipping new Porsches. All right. What are you ready it? for this? I can't believe I didn't think of this. I love the guy who came up with this girl, whomever did it. Uh, they have they institute a minimum mileage that Ooh. you have to achieve before you can resell it. Oh, I like that. How awesome would that be? Oh, because the collectors who are shoving it in their garages and never driving it would never sell them anyway. Yeah, but then like all the flippers who are like, I'm gonna keep it for six months and drive it six miles and then flip it. Nope. Sorry, you got to put 5,000 miles on it before you can sell it again. Oh, that is making so yes. many people cry right now, but I'm so happy with the thought of that. Like, but they <laughs> say they want enthusiasts to own them. They want to protect enthusiasts' like ability and right to purchase these cars. True enthusiasts, by my definition, drive their cars. Yeah. I would totally I like go for that. If you're know. like, hey, you can buy this car sticker, but you got to put 10,000 miles on it before you can sell it. Deal. Sold. Yeah, I don't know how they would enforce that, but I think that is probably, for all of us enthusiasts that are talking about you know, how could they you know, act like they're caring about this and yada, 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 and drive up their own secondary market, you know, the, the mileage would do it. But boy, that would sure piss off a lot of people. Yes. Yes, it would. Speaking of uh, speculation, flipping, whatever, well, long-term flipping, uh, RM Sotheby's is auctioning off the all-white Porsche collection 
out of Houston. Ooh, I actually have a six Porsches that are all white, which I'm sorry, I saw this and I'm like, boring. <laughs> Well, uh, Charles Putt, I think that answers your question. Uh, Charles Putt on YouTube asked if you were planning on being involved in any way with the auction of the Porsche White Collection in Texas. I'm pretty sure I sold that guy a couple cars like a decade ago. So it's the collection's been being amassed for a long time. Uh, just like personal taste. I'm like, I like variety. So I wouldn't have that many Porsches, period, because I'd have other cars and I'd have lots of different colors and stuff like as much as i love burgundy i couldn't have 60 burgundy cars i have two and i'm like yeah, i think that's good i need a green one and a blue one but i think i could have 60 green cars i gotta be honest i think i could live with that <laughs> i'd fall on that sword but they wouldn't all be porsches no they know you're right they no. wouldn't you the majority of them probably of would be but i would definitely have a lot of oh, like a green 355 oh my yeah. goodness. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. On that note, let us pay for this podcast <laughs> and go to a commercial break. Switchcast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with a single purpose, to make people a part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy that we're broadcasting this show with a phone. So head on over to switchcars.com forward slash BoxCast for your free trial. And uh, not only are Doug and I back this week, uh, but the Corvette curmudgeon is back with us. How you doing? Oh, just fine. A little bit tired, but... Uh, why, why are you tired? I know it's late, but like... Well, it's dark out. It is. It, I kind of got a little depressed today. It's like barely s 7 o'clock and it's already dark outside. It's very sad. Have you uh, have you put your Corvette away? Well, no, not yet, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking it's getting close because, you know, can't drive it with salt on the roads and it is October, so it's, it's getting darn close. <laughs> getting real but, close. And, and well, honestly, the car show season's almost over. So, you know, that that's I don't take it out after after the car show season's over. No, <laughs> no point in driving it otherwise. So uh, Doug mentioned uh, when we started the podcast tonight that we went to the Audrain Motor Week and Concorde de Elegance uh, this past weekend. Uh, have you ever been to the Audrain? Well, I don't know what them Frenchy French words are, but yeah, I was out at the Audrain this week. Wait, wait um, were you really? Yep, yep. The the team here at the, this this uh, TV radio cast thingamajigger in a pod, they um, they invited <laughs> me out and said they'd pay for my hotel, which I was like, oh, shoot, yep, free, I'm, I'm in. But uh yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. It, it was nothing like Carlisle or Hershey. I did stop at Hershey on my way home, um, but uh, you know it, uh, it it was kind of ridiculous. I mean, they had a Corvette Corral there, and uh, supposed to, I didn't take my Corvette, of course. Too many too many miles, too far to drive it, and it's you know might rain. So, but uh, yeah, there were only four cars showed up. I know why, because it was raining that day. But they won twenty five dollars to park in <laughs> what? on the lawn. Where was the Corvette Corral even that? Because I didn't see it. It was at a hotel down the street from the event. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think I saw like a couple of C eights or something. Yeah, it was all them it. new fangled ones, you know. And I went up to him, tried to talk to him about how special my older Corvette was, and they didn't seem to care. So it was I don't know. Them New England people are a different bunch. They really did you uh did you have any lobster rolls while you were out there? No, did that I... food's too fancy for me. <laughs> no. Gotcha. All right. It's expensive too. Friggin' thirty dollars for <laughs> same bun as a hot dog. <laughs> I mean you're you're not wrong, but it's what's inside the bun that counts. But anyway, they had this fancy show on Sunday, all these old cars and stuff, some pretty cool stuff. But there was only one Corvette on the whole field. I don't know what their problem was. I thought there was two. I only saw one. It was a 63. It was super nice. Not as rare as mine, but it was pretty nice. Can't believe the guy drove it on the grass. I friggin' got his car all dirty and grass on his tires and stuff like that. I wouldn't I wouldn't do that to, to, to that nice of a car. But yeah, these people call themselves car people, and they invite cars from all over the world. They say they want rare cars, and they only bring one Corvette. What was your uh, What was your favorite car that you saw, though? The Corvette. 
What kind of a dumb fucking question is that? If uh, all these French cars, I couldn't pronounce their names. Oh, like the the Delahay? Did you see that? That was pretty something like that. <laughs> if you had to swoopy it, fenders, you know, looked yeah, like yeah. something Cruella Deville would drive. Yeah, it did. Oh, so cool. Uh, what was your What was your favorite part about the weekend? In the the entire thing, everything you saw, everything you did, what was your favorite part? The free hotel room was pretty good. <laughs> Honestly, I need to figure out how you got hooked up with that because I I did not get graced with the same uh, same benefit. Was it a nice hotel? Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty good. Nice, pretty good. Already, well, I can't believe that we were at the same place and did not see each other at all. But uh, I got to admit, I wasn't hanging out at the Corvette Corral too much. Um, but uh, maybe next year, will you go back? Do you think? I don't know about that. Maybe well, if they may, I'll have to email them and tell them they need to have a Corvette class at that show. Would you enter your Corvette? Well, no, because it might rain. Oh, that's true. It is New England. It rained a lot. <laughs> it was yeah, quite sure did. Good thing I have my Corvette rain jacket with me. Oh, yeah. Keep you nice and dry. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, thank you very much to the Corvette curmudgeon for coming out. As always, it was good to chat with you again. Brought to you unwittingly by the Corvette Buy Sell Trade Group on Facebook. That is your source for cranky boomers, overpriced Corvettes, and reinforced stereotypes. Uh, welcome back, Doug. Thank you. Uh, so we were just got done talking to the uh, Corvette curmudgeon about Audrain, and uh, I know you and I were there. I didn't see him at all. Yeah, but that yeah. was a that was a great time, wasn't it? It was pretty fantastic. It usually is. Four four years now they've been doing the Audrain Concours. Yes. And it's already one of the preeminent events in the country. Uh, they had a lot of big-name celebrities there judging and doing seminars. Yeah, I saw Heck, Chip Foose walking around. the Corvette around. curmudgeon out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Chip Foose saved my bacon. <laughs> oh, really? How's that? Right. So I, I I got asked to, to judge there. Um what Sur- class did you surprisingly, judge? Surprisingly, I judged the 30 under 30, which is uh, vehicle owners under 30, and they paid less than 30 grand for their cars. And it was 80s and 90s. So um, there's different meetings and stuff that judges all have to be at, and certain expectations, most of which are laid out. But we got this beautiful yellow necktie at the beginning of the week. And I'm like, oh, well, cool. I never wear ties, but thanks. It looks cool. <laughs> Look great hanging in my closet. And so Sunday morning, um, get up the the shuttle for the judges leaving at six fifteen a.m. Oh my right? goodness! The show starts at like ten, but we got to be there early and yada yada yada. So I go out there at like six oh five, plenty of time. Right? I'm looking around. Everybody's wearing their yellow tie. I was like, hmm. I didn't see that on the list of things you have to do. <laughs> but I was like asking a couple people. I'm like, is this like? Is this mandatory? Like, well, you got the blazer. You're fine. I think it's just suggested or whatever. And then my buddy, Sean, who is all is probably the youngest judge there, but he's he's kind of a he wears he wore cowboy boots and a cowboy hat to the um, to the black tie gala and stuff. So he's he's uh, my lines of like kind of not the the black sheep, but the, the kind of rule breaker type yeah. of thing. So and he's been there judging multiple years very very smart guy and he was wearing his tie and i was like okay if you're wearing your tie i have to wear mine so it's like 6 10 at this point so i run back to my hotel room get the tie out of the plastic and i'm like i'm frantically trying to remember how to tie a stinking tie i don't have time to look it up on youtube again so i finally get it on it's like 6 14 i'm like i can't miss the shuttle i can't miss the shuttle this is my first year judging my whole like plan here was just don't make waves. <laughs> don't just screw exist. up and don't make waves. <laughs> just exist. Go along with whatever all the other judges say. No strong opinions. <laughs> and uh, completely antithetical to my entire personality. And I like, I, I had this like precursor of this is what's going to happen in my mind because I have severe FOMO. It's like, I'm going to get out there and the lobby is going to be empty. All 40 judges that were in the lobby are not going to be there anymore and I will have missed the bus. And I'm like, no, it's 614. The bus is leaving at 615. Nothing during car week happens on time. I get out there at 614. I round the corner and I see nobody in the lobby. Oh, and I'm no. like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so 
I start running and I see the trolley outside and I like round the corner, open the door and the trolley starts to move. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm here. Flag them down. <laughs> they open the door, let me in. And I like walk on and uh, everybody's just kind of like silent. Like, oh, there's the new guy. And so I do the walk of shame to the back of the trolley. There's no seats left and stand up. And then the trolley starts to move again. And five seconds later, Chip Foos and his wife come out like, hey, wait for us, wait for us. I'm like, shoo. You weren't the last guy. I wasn't the last guy. Of course, he gets on, they all cheer. And I'm like, oh, come on. He gets to be late, but I don't. I thought you were about to say that he like dove and opened the door for you to get on the bus to make sure you didn't get left behind. But no, no, he just saved he you just some shame. He just took the attention off of me. Yeah. But of course, five minutes later, I thought of the perfect line is as I got on the, the trolley super late, I should have just been like, well, it's first time in history. Cannonballer's been late for anything. Oh, that would have been good. That would have been that really been good. good. No one told you you had to wear the tie. Nobody told me I had to wear the tie. Well, that's not on you. Yeah, it does seem like something that should be explained. Yeah. At the breakfast, they were giving out ties for like the three people who either wore an alternate tie or didn't wear a tie. They like brought them with them to uh, be like, yes, that you were, so you're there, wearing. There was an implication there. There was there a was strong implication, implication, and I did not get that memo. Did you? Uh, did you enjoy your judging experience? I think so. Yeah. I got a, yeah. I got a, in my opinion, a pretty good photo of you given you like you were smelling something in the engine bay of an E36. You're looking very judgmentally. Oh, now. yes. Well, I judge at all car shows, just not officially. <laughs> you had a clipboard this time that Usually actually I'm judging people. <laughs> you looked the part, though. The most painful part about it, the, the guy deserved to win. In my class, there is a very, very clean, almost overly restored Porsche 944. Um, that uh, a kid had bought when he was 16. He had owned it for 13 years. Low mileage, really, really nice. Um, but the Porsche snob in me hated that I gave a best-in-class to an automatic 944. Ugh. And he kept saying, it's rare, it's automatic, it's rare. And I'm like, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it doesn't Ugh. matter. Not, it's not a, that's not a plus. Anytime somebody talks to me about transaxle Porsches, especially, and is like, well, the automatic is rarer than the manual. It like makes me twitchy and I kind of want to smack them. Right. Like, isn't it a four speed auto? That can't be a good time. <laughs> like, anyway, it yeah. was very clean in this man's defense. That was probably the cleanest 944 I had seen in a long time, especially because uh, it was an early car, right? Yeah. Like it was the, an 83. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Cleanest one I'd seen in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was good though. What was your favorite part of it? I I always love uh, of the weekend the tour because it's usually rainy because it's New England at the end of yep. uh, at the beginning of fall. Um, so you see these amazing cars driving in the rain and, and everybody's having a good time and they're filthy and and so I like that. It, I, it was ironic that there was four Corvettes at the Corvette Corral because it was raining. Yet there was a hundred fifty priceless historic yes. vehicles <laughs> parked in the middle of the street. Just, uh, oh, it's that it warms my heart so much to see that, like the fact that it even exists. Yes, that's um, why we make fun of Corvette owners. <laughs> absolutely, uh, but I think car-wise, I mean, there was a lot of amazing stuff. There was like a class filled with like old racing cars. There was a 300 SL Gullwing that won Le Mans back in like the 50s. Incredible. I loved the Ghia Jet car. That is just so much like 50s retro futurism that mm. I never thought. I've never it seen a like, like turbine car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It looks like a toy. Yep. And it was just so cool to see something like that in person because I never have before of that like concept car style situation. So I just like I saw that being pushed in because I didn't want to start it, <laughs> which would have been cool. <laughs> but and I was just like, oh, my God, what is this? Like, what is going on? So I, great. It was a good time. It's great. Let's. uh Grab a commercial, and then we'll be back with a market update and some more things and All your right. questions. And Switchcast is also brought to you by Celebrity Machines. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they've appeared in movies and TV shows, such as Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates, as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save 25.39% at checkout. Rapid fire. 
Doug, you dropped your, your hat. Your very important hat. So every now and then we get gifts here on the podcast. And uh, um, people say some unkind things about me on the internet. <laughs> I notice I didn't say untrue. They may, they may be true. But Proverbs, the Bible, somewhere in the Bible, it says, speak the truth in love. <laughs> and people on the internet are speaking the truth not so much in love. No, I was saying But anyway, the, the, a while ago, uh, one of my favorite, uh, we'll call them, I don't know, mean tweets, whatever you call them, was uh, this This is absolute utter pinecone has no effing idea what he's talking about. So apparently that resonated with people. I think um, that might be my favorite snippet of the show that we've ever created. Yes. Did that make it into a highlight? Yeah, it was called Don't Be a Pinecone. Right. Oh, so good. Anyway, so uh, a listener, Jeff brought by this awesome hat which has a main pine cone plate on it yes yes oh it's so good and Favorite. you walked around audrey and i did wearing walk that around audrey wearing this not when i was judging but uh yeah we also got a package from maine there seems to be a theme here uh, from another list listener it says you pine cone for the switchcast <laughs> crew and it's Oh my god. Oh, there we go. <laughs> full of full of pine cones. So I, I think we might have to make this part of the permanent yes. studio oh. decoration. It's here. fall. This is we're creating a whole sort of aesthetic in here. That's great. Yeah. Is it literally got, just a box of pine cones? Oh. No, I also got uh this is from my childhood. It's a, a Chevy bow tie box. But this is um it's a quartz accuracy, water resistant, three year warranty. And it is uh, the box for my original Corvette watch that I had Whoa. when I was a kid. Yeah, right? Wow. Of course you had a Corvette uh, watch. Of course as a kid. I had a Corvette watch. <laughs> so oh, it, uh, yeah. it seems like you, you, I mean, you're popular enough for people to, to send you some gifts, which is pretty cool. I do have a new comment here from the internet. So if oh, you want to really? hear it, is oh, it nice? Yes. Uh, it's a comment. Is um, it true? <clears throat> uh, it's a comment. <laughs> it's a uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, nice typo in the title of this video. Can't stand Doug either. Gives off a Walmart version Patrick Dempsey, who is a target version of Paul Newman, wannabe race car driver, slash car dealer, slash YouTuber. <laughs> so maybe not nice. That's I'm not sure if I believe it, but I mean Well I, the typo is my fault. Don't take that out on Doug. Oh, uh, producer that, Ethan. that can easily be attributed to me. Um yeah. some of those things I, I I'm not sure that they're not compliments. I'm okay with being a Walmart version of a Target version of Paul Newman. <laughs> yeah, like, it's honestly not all that bad. Paul, Thank I'd you. be any version of Paul Newman. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right? That's, that's great. <laughs> and, and Patrick Dempsey is McDreamy. Come on, I'll I'll take the, like, Ames version of him. Kmart? <laughs> Kmart. Kmart. I'm the, I'll be the Kmart clearance aisle version. <laughs> I also love that you're apparently being a wannabe car dealer. Yeah, sorry. I guess, like, you just, you haven't succeeded yet. <laughs> Right. At all. <laughs> Wannabe race car driver is every car guy on the planet, by 100%. the way. Sorry. Uh -huh. Like, unless you are getting paid to race, then you are a wannabe race car driver. I don't care what championships you've won. If you wrote the check, you're a wannabe because no. you're not a professional. Yeah. So, I, like, again, those things are all true, and I'm okay with that. That's <laughs> that's like the meanest, not mean feedback anyway. Oh, speaking of a wannabe car dealer, uh, we talk about the market on stuff and, and advise people on what the market's doing. And one of my favorite things to do is look at year-over-year uh, -year bring a trailer transaction. So like the exact same car selling a year ago and then selling today um, w without any fundamental differences. And we participated in this particular auction. We sold a 1975 Unimog on Bring a Trailer today. And the buyer bought it just about a year ago on Bring a Trailer, almost to the day. And last year, he paid $58,000 plus buyer fee, and it sold today for $69,500 plus buyer fee. Nice. So... We've looked at a whole bunch of different cars year over year, and some of them have been up, some of them have been down, but it's always interesting to see a particular niche's trajectory and how it like falls within the overall market trajectory, which a lot of people would argue is softening right now. Well, I'm here to tell you that the Unimog market is strong as ever. 
up 20% over last year. <laughs> so there. Um, another update we have, the, the, the kick car topic is um, incredibly popular and, and on an ongoing basis. Is that still rolling? That's still rolling. Um, is it because we keep talking about it? Y- yes, probably. <laughs> probably. But, you know, let's not get in, in the weeds with, with things like that. Um, uh, speaking of, of hate mail that I received, though, probably the most amount of recent flack that I've gotten has, uh, after you know euthanizing the feral cat that threatened to destroy my storage business, anyway is from trolling that Countach kit car owner. Like a lot of people canceled me in their own minds. Why? Because of that. Um, I don't know. I heard words that I'm not going to repeat, but no good explanation. But like watching people defend this guy or vilify me for like trolling him or being petty or letting him live rent free in my head or whatever. Uh, is I came to, the conclusion that the people who are most likely to defend those who tell white lies, quote unquote, are people who like are of the same uh, persuasions. Like they're willing to stretch the truth as long as it quote unquote doesn't hurt anybody. But I also believe that there are like, there is no difference, right? If you're willing to lie about a small thing, then you'll lie about a big thing, right? Like it's a character trait, not just a harmless thing of like, oh, well, my my Countach is real. I'm just telling it so my friends will respect me. Okay, well, what else will you do, right? And um, to that end, there was a GT3 RS that popped up at Ren Sport Reunion this weekend. And somebody sent me the photos. And the guy was claiming that it was an Etna Blue paint-to-sample uh, rest of world car, they call it. So basically non-North American production. Scam. Oh, wait. <clears throat> Sorry, wrong bit. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And the, the guy's like, this is BS. There's no way. And I got other photos of it, and the, the paintwork was so obvious. It was terrible. You could see, yeah, you could tell that it had been painted and not well. But this guy is talking about how it's an Aetna blue car. Now, most people would say, well, just leave him alone. It's harmless fun. Who cares? Well, that's only who cares until he tries to sell it and make another $200,000 on the car because it's a paint-to-sample car. But what got interesting is the guy asked me, who saw this car, asked me to like verify it. He's like, is this a thing? And I said, well, I'm 99% sure that they never, ever, ever made a paint-to-sample 997.1 GT3 RS. They only offered it in the second generation. But I'm like, I'll never say never because there's a Sultan of Brunei. So maybe, but he sent me the VIN and the VIN was super weird because the 10th digit was an A, which for North America, that would mean it's a 2010. They only made the 997.1 GT3 RS in 07, 08. Bear with us, those of you who are not 997 GT3 nerds, this is getting into the weeds, but it matters. So that would indicate that it was a 2010 GT3 but it wasn't a rest of world VIN prefix. It was a WP0AC299. So that's like, that's a US slash North American market car. Could be Puerto Rico, could be Mexico, whatever. Could also be Saudi because they use those VINs. So it's like, okay, maybe Saudi Arabia uses the US VIN prefixes, but not the same 10th digit year denomination, whatever. I'm like, there's, there's a slim slim possibility this is legit but i don't think so what made it more interesting is the license plate on the car decoded to a 2002 996 carrera oh like okay well fine he imported it didn't get plates for it swapped plates on it still could be legit but it's looking increasingly unlikely i pulled the vin with porsche sure enough it is a 2010 gt3 in guards red registered in mexico hmm so a 2010 GT3, <laughs> not a 997.1 <laughs> even, a 2010 GT3 VIN on a 2007 911 with a 2002 996 plate on it. So I made this post like this guy's, you know, it, it has to be a stolen car. I talked to a number of, of state authorities, police, whatever, and they're like, yeah, there's the only explanation for this is it's stolen, which was the conclusion I came to, but I wanted to like, be like, what am I missing before I call this guy out? 
and um, people were like, "Oh man, what does it matter? Why why do you have to why do you have to troll this guy? Who cares? This is so petty. Just let him have his story." And I'm like, "I'm sorry, this car is probably stolen." So somebody out there wants their car back and he's showing up at a show telling everybody it's an Etna blue paint sample car. And like, who cares about the little white lie? But it like it proves in a sense that like if you're willing to lie about one thing, what else? Like this could be a part of an international auto theft ring. Yeah. Right. It could be very serious. And also the people who said they're like, my car is special because blah, blah, they're exhausting. We don't let them have their stories. <laughs> well, and the irony is if he hadn't lied about it, nobody would care. If he said, yeah, I got this repainted GT3 RS, nobody would take a picture of his VIN. No, because they'd be like, oh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. And then move on. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He tried to make it more special than it was. So I still don't have like a follow-up on that. I alerted some authorities uh, to it, and they said they were going to turn it over to the auto theft task force. So we'll see. Um, it interested them enough to, to look into it, but uh, the wheels of justice grind exceedingly slowly, right? Is that how it goes? So the car's probably gone now. But anyway, yeah, I thought that was kind of kind of interesting. We'll, we'll follow up on that and see if we, uh, um, if anyone was at Rensport, saw the car, has any more information, we'd love to hear about it. We did get a uh, message in YouTube chat that says, you're welcome, Doug, from Erod. I'm guessing that is the, the human that sent you this wonderful pine coney package. So they're, they're hanging out with us tonight. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we have a really good wall of shame tonight, which is, uh, yeah. This, uh, this comes to us from a fellow dealer down in Florida, and they were attempting to sell a car. Tyler, you want to... Uh, Read that one for us. Yeah, who am I? Who am I going to be? Uh, just read the whole thing. Okay, we're not going to do play acting here. Come on, this is for <laughs> children. So, uh, was it you sent the we can do seventy three k? So this wasn't me. This was a fellow dealer. Oh, but okay, yes, right. the the seller. Um, this is a nine nine six turbo. Uh, so market value is like forty five for a terrible one, ninety for the best one in the world. But like run of the mill good ones are like. 55 to 75 grand. Um, and I think that's what they were asking for theirs. And theirs is a nice car. Yes. Uh, so then the, the buyer was like, LOL, laughing emoji, $35,000 over value. Uh, to which the dealer responds, well, how many of these have you bought? And they're like, well, how many have you sold? You're a dealer and guaranteed not past a high school diploma degree. Ooh. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's probably accurate but, <laughs> but that still, doesn't mean we don't know basic math yikes uh so then this dealer said up oh, over 10 996 turbos this year hope you get a hug from someone today jesus <laughs> loves you <laughs> which is so good <laughs> this uh this guy named jeff just got absolutely roasted oh gosh he thinks the 996 turbo is worth 35 grand and then asked the dealer how many he's sold like ugh. yep actually 10 this year <laughs> yeah Good luck. So, yeah. Yeah, Jeff, you're living back like four years ago. Sorry, bud. <laughs> oh, man. The wheels of the economy have turned. Yes. And the eggies are becoming stylish. <laughs> Not really, but... I don't, like, I don't remember the last time a good 996 Turbo was 35 grand, period. Like, I sold a couple 10 years ago with like 100,000 miles for that. But they were never good ones for that money. People ever. seem to remember things weirdly. I remember when I was looking, uh, just in general, just at car shopping, there's still people out there today that think a Miata and a 944 are sub $10,000 car for like a reasonable one. And I'm like, Sheepers. in what world? <laughs> Where are you living? Uh, so speaking of Countach kit cars, to, to follow on this theme, I get sent marketplace listings on the regular for people selling Countach kit cars thinking it's the one that I saw. And it isn't, but a name that continuously pops up with one that's for sale is Eddie Zillin. He's a local person who owns cars. Um, is a description of this, this guy. <laughs> and he's also a, a Instagram influencer, we think. I don't know how many of his followers are, followers are paid to be followers, but uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so he's listing a second Countach kit car. He's had one for sale locally that's been for sale for freaking ever, like a year and a half. Uh, but he listed this, this second one. It says, selling this beautiful Lamborghini Countach, period. 
Hmm. Right? Okay. <laughs> the vehicle gets far too much attention everywhere you drive and looks absolutely stunning. Blah, 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 blah. Has a real Countach rear wing and wheels. Recent 5K in service, which includes blah, 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 tune-up, new water pump. Car has a V6 Chevy motor, 350 horsepower. That's So it's not a beautiful ambitious. Lamborghini Countach. No, it's not a beautiful Lamborghini Countach. The car looks amazing, but does does needs very few items. Yep, there it, uh, is. there it is. There it is. Bumper could use a refinish, blah, blah, blah. Overall, the car looks great. You also won't find a Countach reproduction with this type of quality and accuracy at this listed price uh, of $73,000. What? Won't last priced to sale. Uh, th- this is what I love. The car was completed in 2010. No expense was spared. And drove less than 500 miles on the bill, too. Right. But the no, I, the comments on no expense was spared were awesome. It's like, yeah, except the expense of a real Countach. <laughs> yeah. You put oh. a V6 in it and you said no expense spared. Yeah, yeah. no, you could have put a small block in it at least. And started the ad with selling this beautiful Lamborghini Coon. That's the part oh, that gets gosh. me the most. But then he finishes with located in Denver, Colorado. Now, Eddie lives in Chagrin Falls, and he has for as long as I've known who he is. And then somebody posted in the comments like, hey, man, those are, you know, Moe's cars. Because there's a bunch of like there's a Testarossa and a bunch of real exotics in the photos. Yeah. Because I was like, this isn't Eddie's car. Like, Because he's bro- tried to broker a few cars that he didn't own before and done it poorly we'll say i'm not gonna say he was scamming anyone but he tried to sell this awful abomination of a porsche to me and i was like dude the car's worth like 10 like 10 grand the next day he posted it up on marketplace for 35 and it was at a shop and it wasn't even his but anyway so these cars aren't even his he's just listing them for a guy not a car broker he's just putting them up so Ugh. Not that anyone's in any danger of spending too much on a Countach kit car, but if you were, do your due diligence and watch out for people like Eddie Zillin who are listing cars for other people that probably don't even know they're being listed. Wasn't that amazing Countach kit car reproduction thing not that much north of 70 grand anyway? The Prova? Yeah. That is as real as they get? Yeah, that was asking 105 and it's been for sale for a while, so I bet you could... uh, shrewdly negotiate it yeah. down yeah yeah um on that note let's uh let's move to the appraiser although we have one more commercial first let's uh commercial then appraiser yes switchcast is brought to you by nuts for sticks nuts for sticks is a brand celebrating the manual transmission in all its forms forget those flappy paddles we like shifting ourselves Check out our fun and funny stick-themed shirts at NutsForSticks.com and save 10% on your order using the discount code SWITCHCAST. That is NutsForSticks.com and code SWITCHCAST. Oh, the appraiser. Yes, let's oh, see how we did. the appraiser. Oh, the appraiser. So last week, I picked a Jeep Gladiator six-wheel thing oh, on Cars and Bids. $250,000 build. Oh, uh, and you guessed a hundred thirty grand. Did okay. you see what it didn't go for? No, I I entirely forgot. I had this was such an abomination in my eyeballs that I blocked I it from know, memory. It was so good. Well, it bid to eighty one grand. Oh no! Oh yes. Oh. <laughs> now there are some very strong opinions on the auction about how to market this thing, which I will say is very tough to market a custom build if you haven't built a brand, right? Like. Arconic for Land Rovers or Singer or you know any number of people that that do these these custom jobbers. Singer is going to sue me after this for calling them <laughs> custom jobbers. Custom job Singer custom jobbers. Get them over. Yes. Anyway, um, <laughs> but and usually people's opinions on an auction about how the seller should sell things are not taken they're they're taken with a grain of salt. Like I love it when people tell me how I should market something, and I'm like, thanks, bro. I've sold. A couple thousand cars. I I think I got it. But they were actually right. They're like, this is... Cars and Bids is not the place to try to sell a super custom Jeep like that. Like, you have to build an audience and spend a lot of time marketing it and promoting it and stuff like that and find the right buyer and not put it on a 
you know, week long auction yeah. thing. You got to like, find that's, out that's tough. where all the, the beefy dudes with tribal tattoos hang out and just post up out of there a few days of the week. And Tyler's reusing lines now. Nope, that's fine. <laughs> Hopefully our listeners have short term memory. Yeah, like <laughs> um, anyway. So, uh, yeah, we had a similar experience trying to sell a heavily built F450 Super Duty thing. And it was very well done, but, you know, the guy didn't have any brand recognition. It was the first one he had built, so people weren't willing to pay that premium. So was this something that the seller built essentially themselves? I haven't the faintest idea. Because I thought it was some company. I've seen a couple of these around that look, but they could just be other people doing the same thing. Sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, tough, tough market out there for a Jeep Gladiator quarter million dollar build. Uh... Last week, you picked for me a 98 911 Carrera S. Last year, 993. Pastel yellow over chestnut brown, 38,000 miles in one owner. Uh, it was a little bit of a difficult auction because there's some things not perfect with the car. But Yeah, like that undercoating was wild. Yeah, it was like black, chassis yes. black on a Porsche instead of the factory Cosmoline. So that hurt it some. Uh, but anyway, I guessed 180 grand, and it sold for 175. Yeah, baby. Which side note, with the five thousand dollar buyer's fee, is 180 <laughs> grand. <laughs> that is uh, that is unfortunately the best result we've had so far. In the words <laughs> of Andy Bernard, nailed it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So technically, I missed by five grand because the buyer's fee doesn't count, but I'm counting it as a win. I did notice some bids in here. I was scrolling through the comments. Like some people are bidding like $250 here towards the end. I can't believe there's no like scaling minimum bid. That is very true. Uh, That's something PCAR market needs to fix because they're, yeah. You go to a real auction, try to bid a $250 increment on a $150,000 car. That's not going to fly out of the room. The right. guy that does gooding at Amelia, at least has recently, like he will just completely lambast you. Yes. <laughs> like, are you serious? For You're two small bid increments. Yeah. He'd have you at five grand. Uh, another thing, there, there was a incorrect bid where somebody bid 200 grand and then outbid themselves, but they were trying to bid on a different auction. So <laughs> right near the end, everyone's like, oh, game over at 200 grand. But then that bid got retracted and there, there was some fun there. But uh, anyway. So next Goodness. week for you, Tyler. Oh boy, I went back to P car market, and I just went through the no reserve ones, which there was only like two cars selling no reserve, mostly as memorabilia. But I'm like, all right, no reserve is like it's there to sell. It's real market. So we found a 2006 997 Carrera four. So the Carrera 4 is all-wheel drive, and it's the wide body in a 997. So it's a uh, 997 Carrera 4 coupe, six-speed manual, in boring Arctic silver over black. Uh, No special options. Got the the five-spoke Carrera Classic three wheels, just kind of, you know, vanilla spec. It has 130,000 miles on it. Uh, clean Carfax appears to be mostly original paint. Um, looks like it should for 130k. It doesn't look bad, but it doesn't look good. Um, photos are nice. Recent service, new clutch, ignition coil, spark plugs, brakes, water pump, coolant tank, blah blah blah. So it's like it's a good driver. What about the IMS, Doug? It has 130,000 miles. Should be more worried about bore scoring at that point. Yeah, things will be smacking around in there, potentially. Right. I don't know. I've had a number of high-mileage 911s, 997s. They've all been fine. So I guess the ones that are, are, and the ones that aren't, aren't. That's how I choose to live my life in ignorance. So I aspire to be at that level. <laughs> but my anxiety, it prevents me. Anyway. All right, pick a number. Uh, $35,000. Okay. That's a pretty good guess. Uh, I I feel like you know you can get a, a I feel like thirty five low thirties is a really nice nine nine six or a really high mileage nine nine seven price range so yeah and it's not an S but I mean it honestly I feel seems like, like I a gave you a, a, a gift this week after that terrible Jeep thing last week I yeah, I was, really appreciate that was mean it. but I I just went through the no reserves and I'm like all right nine nine seven easy enough 
What does it, a high mileage 997 go for? Seem like a pretty honest car. Yeah. All in. All right. What do you got for me? Okay. So I didn't actually look for this car. It was presented it to me. It found you. It did. <laughs> the glorious Instagram algorithm. Uh, and I couldn't not do this car. Um, so for you, this is on Bring a Trailer. You're going to want to look this up. Okay. Uh, this Give is the a- listeners a... An idea. So this is a 1993 Cadillac Fleetwood Brougham Hearse. Oh, come on. <laughs> but. 20 grand? I don't know. What, but, 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 this is a Miyagata style. So it was exported from the U.S. in 1993 and to has Japan. a oh custom-made wood, like, oh, hand-carved. Oh, it's like the Toyota Century Hearse. Yes. It's a friggin' Buddhist temple on an El Camino. Hand-carved wood. <laughs> oh my goodness oh it has like a painting of a dragon on the roof on the inside it is almost exactly just not as nice but it's very close to being like that Good century golly <laughs> i'd was, rather have the century for oh, what it's worth a hundred percent it's got blue cloth it's, interior it is definitely not as ornate as the hearse no i mean as the century hearse like the inside is like all gold painted oh my and like, word it is it is a sight to behold and it looks that weird is a, on a fashionable way to die <laughs> right uh mm. so it's got the clean can i reuse all my jokes from last time sure i like reused a line carving this was quite the undertaking <laughs> Honestly, no, that one's pretty good. But it's, oh, it's two-tone black and, like, chrome on the bottom. <laughs> so, like, it's an early 90s Cadillac. If if I bought one for me and one for my wife, they'd be his and hers. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm literally reusing I all know. of the jokes. <laughs> they just heard these before. <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it was imported back to the States in 2020. Uh, it's black with blue interior, clean Carfax, clean Montana title, resides in California, 26,000 miles. Well, this is where it comes to the edify and educate part of switchcast because all you listeners are going to be japanese hearse experts on the market after oh yeah <laughs> after these two i what the freaking <laughs> what do you even like value this i don't know because that other century one sold for a world record forty five thousand dollars but this is a cadillac like it's going to offend everybody because like it's Japanese and American. Like, I feel like in Japan, this probably was seen as like some sort of quirky thing. It's like, oh, it's an American hearse, but we did it up in our style. Here, it I don't just be know. Tacky. They're very proud of their culture. So I, it was there for like seventeen years, twenty-seven years there. <sighs> okay. Oh man. Good luck. Uh, I can't stand you. Can I do the phone a friend or ask the audience? All right, no. I need help from the negative. <laughs> Come on. What is your guess? <laughs> I was too kind. I can't last pull time. MMR. I can't pull comps on this. Uh, this might watch be one me of get one. It right. If you get watch it right, I might get it right. Twenty six thousand miles. Oh gosh. Need the Jeopardy music, Ethan? Can you cue that up in, in post? Can you? Is that a thing? <laughs> Uh, 18 copyright prevents it. Uh, Can you hum it? Blemishes include bubbling beltline trim, crack bait, and chip bumper trim. There's no way this can go for anywhere near. <laughs> okay, I'm going 18,000. All right, 18,000. Locking it in. Yeah, 18,000. Amazing. Yeah. I knew that was going to be cruel, but I couldn't not. Oh. It's absolutely ridiculous. If you're listening, you got to go look it up. It's on Bring a Trailer. Ends in a couple of days. Oh, what was that sound? I have no idea. Oh, I just bit on it. <laughs> did you really? I did. I bit seventy five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> just getting it. I swear, if you win this, <laughs> it'll be my winter daily. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> oh God. Oh my goodness. Oh, good to know that you if, keep if the you sound. Put on a, your if you put a, a 427, like an LS7 engine in that Cadillac, oh yeah, it could be a Zen 06. Zen, mm, eh. Buddhist temple <laughs> on the back, Z06. Uh, Come on, give me a little bit. All right, that one was reaching. Uh, that was reaching. All right. On that note, it is time for the props and the flops and live viewers stick around we will do tip talk this week so if tiktok is working is it working 
Yeah, we had to uh, plug back in the uh, charger. All right, here, having but... audio technical difficulties on TikTok, so we appreciate you guys being with us through it all, really roughing it over there without the pre-mixed nice sound. Yeah, I hope anyway, you can hear us. Uh, we'll stick around for Tip Talk that get in your live, get in your questions for the live segment after the uh, regular uh, recorded segment of the show. So props and flops are brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. So check out our handpicked inventory at switchcars.com. And our pick of the week from Switch Cars inventory is... 1982 Porsche 911 SC finished in striking white over black interior. This example sports many numerous aftermarket modifications and upgrades, which will suit only the most discriminating driver. It is, uh, yep, okay, I'm, I'm out discriminating? of cheese. Do you mean discerning? <laughs> No, discriminate. No, discriminating. Right. Yeah, discriminate against crappy cars. Love it. Uh, no, it's it's this super outlaw build, wide body steel fenders, uh, RSR style bumper. Yeah, it's the seats, hot. the engine, everything is built. Suspension. I forget all the details, but it doesn't matter. The thing looks clean, and yeah, everybody needs a nine eleven, an air cooled nine eleven outlaw in their life. So. Hit us up if you need a really, really nicely done example, because there's a lot of hodgepodge Frankensteins, and this is not one yeah, of them. It's so clean. Uh, flop of the week. Some rapper, social media influencer, something, um, this kind of made its way around the internet. They traded in their 2007 Mustang for a 2015 GT with a 5-liter, promptly wrecked it on the way home from the dealership. In their classic Mustang fashion. Yeah, their story was that, you know, like they were driving home and boom, an accident happened in front of them and they had to switch over to the hi a different highway and it was raining and they just accelerated a little bit to change lanes and boom, it that's, you know, when they crashed. Um, that's that's how it goes. Yeah, you put your foot down in a 400 horsepower Mustang in the, uh, in the rain and boom, it just happens. But... Uh, the interesting thing about this is he never activated his insurance. Uh oh. So he out car and money. <laughs> now there's an interesting discussion here, right? Some people say the dealer's to blame, right? Because they didn't like require insurance before he left. Um, some people might say, or you know, my thought was okay. Um, Depending on the state, there's a grace period where you don't have to actually tell your insurance company you buy a new car. Your existing coverage carries over, and it's a state law that, you know, you will be covered. Now, there's, like, he went from an 07 Mustang, which probably was worth, like, seven grand, to a much newer, more expensive car. So he may not have had full coverage on that one. So in that case, like, he would have actually had to get proper collision insurance. Uh-huh. Um, but there, there are a lot of different ways to, to skin this cat, right? Because uh, some states require dealers to get proof of insurance before you leave. Some of them only require it on a finance deal. Um, other states, uh, like if, if it's only required on a finance deal, um, on a cash deal, you're required to have insurance, but it's not the dealer's responsibility to make sure the customer has insurance before they leave. So the long and short of it is, right, again, we're not here to give legal advice. Check your laws before you buy a car. Like, know what state you're yeah. in. Know what you Ugh. need to do. And if you have to activate insurance, like, I know, for example, New York. New York does not have a grace period. You have to have insurance on the car when you leave the lot with it. So know what you're frigging doing before you, before you drive off the lot. Yeah, you because know, that's such a serious thing. Like, it's it's easy to make fun of a Mustang owner doing that, but that's got to feel terrible. They were probably so excited about their new car, out all this money, and now this, like, bleh, yeah. terrible situation. The prop of the week, the best of show at the 2023 Audrain Concours this past weekend was a 1938 Delage owned by Fritz Burkard. That's not the prop. He already got his award and the accolade that goes with it. <laughs> yes. The prop is... That he drove that thing hundreds of miles to the show from Vermont. What? Yeah. In an open top, priceless, rare 1938 Delage. 
And that, I mean, that thing is massive and swoopy and gorgeous. And I, I did not know that he drove it there until tonight. Like that blows my mind. Right. We passed like, him on the highway very close to Newport, but I just thought he was like unloading it from his trailer 10 miles yeah. away and drove it over. But yeah, he God, was so rocking it on the highway. He drove up to take his award with mud on his tires and on the fenders and stuff. I'm like, that is, that's awesome. Oh, so much respect. That's awesome. Yes. If I had that yes. kind of money, I hope that I would, I would do some silly stuff like that just for the <laughs> heck of it. <laughs> yep. Uh, he would have no problem with the uh, Porsche no flipping rule. No. If, if you had to put a certain number of miles on it. He'd, he'd, he'd be like, all right. Yep. Okay. Anyway, well, thank you all for listening. Thank you to Ethan Huffnagel and Tyler Sanders for keeping us going here. Thank you to our sponsors, Bucks, Bucks for Cast, Box Cast, <laughs> Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Parallel Printworks, and Stephen Holm Woodworking. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available next Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. as we look forward to edifying, educating, and entertaining you on the drive of your life. Stick around, live viewers. We're going to go to Tip Talk, so get your questions and comments in, and we'll have some fun with you.